Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, March 11th. With the now-dead Events Centre deal still weighing heavily on the minds of Calgarians, people want to know, is there still even a chance for it to come back? Will it be reborn? We talk about that, a new street harassment bylaw, and a major housing announcement in Calgary when we have our weekly chat with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. The Premier has his own call-in radio show every Saturday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. on Chorus Radio, 770 CHQR and 630 Chet in Edmonton starting tomorrow. Why give him this platform and what will it sound like? We find out from the Regional Program Director for Chorus Radio, John Voss. The rising tensions in Ukraine forcing world leaders to take economic action against Russia in an attempt to slow down Putin's war machine. The U.S. has banned Russian oil imports, but what more will President Joe Biden do? We talk with Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco for an update on this, COVID and the Capitol insurrection. And it's Pharmacy Appreciation Month. And as with all frontline workers, boy, it's been a busy and sometimes difficult couple of years for pharmacists. We talk to pharmacist and owner of the medicine shop in southwest Killarney, Amin Kanji about the important role pharmacists play in our health care. With the now dead event center deal still weighing heavy on the minds of Calgarians, people want to know, is there still even a chance that it may be reborn? With details on the event center, a new street harassment bylaw and a major housing announcement, we say good morning to Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, as always. I know there's probably not a lot you can say, but let's start with the event centre. There was an in-camera meeting this week. Can you tell us anything about what you and the team learned? Yeah, absolutely I can. Um, one of the things that we did in January is outline that we would like to see the event centre committee resurrected. And the other was that we wished for administration to engage with a third party to start conversations on how we could move forward with the project in the entertainment district. We got a confidential update on the third party, which I can't discuss, but I'm happy to tell you that the event center committee is back in action. We have three members of council serving on it. Those are Councillors Sharp, Councillor McLean, and Councillor Walcott. And we have two members of the public, one representative of Calgary Economic Development, which is Brad Perry, and the other is a rep from Calgary Chamber, which is Debbie Edlin. So the event center is not dead, is what you're saying. Yeah, back in January, one of the clear messages that we sent as a council in a unanimous vote was that we would like a third party to work with our administration to identify how the event center plays a part in the entertainment district. Our partners at Calgary Municipal Land Corporation have created a brilliant master plan that outlines exactly how different uses and um, different pieces of the puzzle fit together to activate that area around the Saddle Dome, around the Stampede Grounds. And we just want to go a little bit further so all the pressure is not on the event center. And we talk about how the whole thing comes up from the ground. So you're feeling pretty positive about it? I'm feeling quite positive about it. Calgarians would like to see something happen here. We've got great people serving on this committee. Uh, the third party is being vetted, and I think we will have good news to come. Um, as I have always said, I don't believe this was a situation of, you know, good actors, bad actors. I think the pandemic put us in a very unfortunate place where cost overruns put Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation in an incredibly tenuous position. So I'm optimistic looking forward. Okay, let's switch gears a bit. Uh, anti-harassment bylaw just added in Calgary. Can you tell us a little bit about it and why was it so necessary and why now? Well, it's been a long time coming. Um, the street harassment bylaw is something that Councillor Farrell from Ward 7 
had been contemplating for a very long time. And towards the end of her term, she brought forward the notice of motion that really outlined what the bylaw should look like. And our team brought it back to us um, this week. And other members of council championed it, brought it forward and said, we need this. And the thing that really has become evident, it was intended to ensure that our streets were safer for women and girls that were being harassed. Now we can see that, you know, all genders deserve to be protected on our streets and anyone with a disability or anyone um, who identifies as uh, racialized is also safe. So we went a little bit broader than just the gender lens and we looked at an equity lens of who should feel safe on the street. Super important. Okay, uh, I want to get to our housing announcement, but I'll just ask you this. uh, If someone experiences street harassment, do they go to the police or to the city then? In the bylaw, we have the ability for them to report it to um, the bylaw. I mean, it can be reported to the police if there's a service member nearby, but because it is a city bylaw, it does fall under the city. Okay, fair enough. Let's talk about the $38 million housing announcements. What are the details? Well, it was exciting to be up in northeast Calgary and understand how we are bringing the project to life there for Silvera for Seniors. Um, There's another project that will be happening in Ward 3. It'll be the first one ever in Ward 3. Again, another seniors affordable living project and then another one on the west side of the city. So we're getting 200 units that are much, much needed by our seniors who have given so much to the community over the years and now need an affordable place to live with dignity. It seems like this city, you know, despite the pandemic, we're seeing an influx of of people moving to Calgary, to Alberta. And certainly, you know, a project like this really important as well to make sure that our, our seniors have the space they need. Yeah, and you know what, if you talk to people, um, and I can tell you there's quite a few families I know where their aging parents from surrounding areas or from acreages and farms are coming into the city and they would like to live somewhat independently, um, or some of them do need quite a bit of care. So we have to have these types of housing projects available because, you know, as we all know, as you age, the thing you need around you is a sense of community. So I'm really happy to see these projects come to life. Before we let you go, Mayor, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, obviously, with sky-high oil prices, it's un- unfortunately, you know, the reasoning bad, but good for the province of Alberta and ultimately municipalities. The Premier yesterday saying, you know, be careful, municipalities, don't spend all this money. Uh, you have all a long list of things that you would like. So I'm curious, can you give us a couple of things that would be really high on the priority list of what we'd love to have here in Calgary, uh, what you might spend money on, per se? Well, I would like to point out to the Premier that he's the one that's benefiting from high oil prices. So if he could possibly understand that as his government is benefiting, he needs to put a predictable funding stream in place for municipalities as well. And that way, we don't have to keep coming back and asking on a project-by-project basis. If we could take X percentage of the revenue that his government has earned and funnel it towards municipalities, we could provide proper housing options, we could provide transit and take care of our people. So I hope he's looking at what percentage we deserve to get back as municipalities. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday morning, Mayor. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Sue. Have a great weekend. You too. Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. This big news getting a lot of attention. The Premier has his own call-in radio show starting tomorrow on Chorus Radio here on 770 CHQR as well on 630 Ched up in Edmonton. Why and what will it look like? Let's find out from Regional Program Director for Chorus Radio, John Voss. Hi, John. 
Hi, good morning, Sue. Okay, let's talk about the show. Uh, you know, it's getting a lot of attention. Most people seem to be happy they'll be able to ask questions to the Premier, and some say, why is he getting his own radio show? So what was the impetus behind putting this together? Yeah, you know, there's, there are two camps. Uh, some saying, yeah, I, I want to have that, that chance to speak directly to the top politician in the province, and others saying, hmm, gee, Voss, the timing's a bit suspicious. There's a leadership review right on the horizon for Mr. Kenny, and so why now? And my my main posture in this is that one of the central tenets that I think we all need to really cozy up to is this ideal of speaking directly to our politicians. And, you know, there's a lot of different tools we have at our disposal, email, you know, regular mail. If anybody still uses that, you can call them. But this is a chance to speak directly to the premier of the province. And this notion that, you know, somehow there should be some barrier between that is, is just mystifying to me and i think that you know what we do on our talk radio programming is we we speak to the newsmakers and we give that opportunity for for people to call in and people to interact and ask questions Mm -hmm. and so i think that's that's really part of our you know one of our strong suits Uh, you know we do a lot of uh, calling pieces throughout the course of the day, and this naturally is suited for that. So the you know the genesis of it is okay. Well, what's the what's the chance to speak to the premier? It's kind of interesting because in the distant past we've done this before. Uh, you know we uh, had a regular talk to the premier with Ralph Klein. Uh, I <clears throat> hosted my own uh, show with the really? mayor. Uh, yeah, so you know that 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 chance to. To, to speak to our politicians in a fashion that is a little more open form. Like, I, I look at this as kind of a town hall. It's going to be, you know, hosted by Wayne Nelson, who's a, a news anchor, former news anchor with us, and has some, some real good chops. And I think he'll be able to – we're going to talk about the, the issues of the week and the issues leading into, of course, the, the leadership contest. But we're also going to let people ask the question. Sometimes we, we just presume that we know – uh, what's on the minds of everybody. And so I think that's the you know main central tenant that we're trying to embrace. You know, and, and love him or hate him, it's an opportunity to speak right directly to the Premier, as you say. So I've heard criticism, though, oh, they're not going to be real questions. They're just going to feed him the stuff he wants. Will that be the case? Well, so here's the, the truth of it. We <laughs> we have some experience in screening callers <laughs> and, you know, putting people there. And we know, you know, when there is a plant and we know when there is, you know, some legitimate uh, interested, you know, Albertans. And, you know, we're, we're going to get it right 80% of the time. There's going to be people who are going to be on, let's say, the NDP side of the encampment and the, the conservative side. But there's also going to be people like you and I that have a chance to speak directly to Jason Kenney. I like I, I like that part the most. I think so, too. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important that you have uh, an ability to have your say and ask the questions that are important to you. As you said, not not important to the, you know, the, we the hosts who get to ask the mm-hmm. questions sometimes, but yeah. people get to have their voice heard, and I think that's the important part. And we'll see how it goes. It's going to yeah, be interesting be to fun. listen to. Interesting. Excellent. Thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for your interest, Sue. John Voss, of course, Regional Program Director for Chorus Radio. And your province, your premier, will air every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., right here on 770 CHQR and on 630 Ched. Your chance to text in, to call in, speak to the premier, ask the questions that you want to get answered.
Rising tensions in Ukraine forcing leaders to take economic action in an attempt to slow down Russia's attack. The U.S. recently banning Russian oil imports, putting President Joe Biden in the spotlight, giving us some insight on what's happening south of the border is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Hi, Jackson. Happy Friday. Hi, Sue. Happy Friday. Okay, tell us the latest position from the president on the war in Ukraine, latest announcements coming from the White House. Yeah, in fact, we're expecting to hear from President Biden in another address here in just about an hour from now, uh, in which he's expected to not only announce further economic sanctions against Russia, uh, but specifically, it sounds like the U.S., other G7 nations and the EU have all together reached a deal to uh, uh, strip Russia of its favored nation trading status, which I think is going to make it even harder for imports and exports at a time when uh, there's really been a clampdown on Russian Im- industry and commerce. So that's sort of what's coming up next here. Uh, you know, the question of uh, certain military aid is being answered in the form of uh, more anti-aircraft and anti-tank systems. Uh, there's been this remarkable effort to get those weapons in. Uh, still no movement on the transfer of fighter jets, and it still seems like like no movement on a no-fly zone from NATO either. Uh, favorite nation status, what exactly does that do for Russia, and what does it do taking it away from them, more importantly? Yeah, I'm not a trade expert, but my understanding yeah. is that it makes it easier for trade okay. to take place. And so removing that would essentially add even more hurdles to anyone trying to get goods in and out of the country. Uh, you know, there's already a lot of specific sanctions on the import and export of uh, technology, microchips, military supplies, oil equipment to and from Russia. I think this just adds another layer to that. Um, we have Joe Biden at home and Kamala Harris. She's been in Eastern Europe, correct, on the on the message sharing front, I suppose. That's right. And in fact, she was in Poland yesterday and met with Prime Minister Trudeau as well. And really what she's doing is the diplomatic tour of Europe, shoring up support and really sending this message of unity uh, at a time when uh, Russia might have thought it could fracture the NATO alliance. It seems like they're actually really all coming together here. The U.S. taking a strong leadership role on that front. And uh, that's what she's doing is, is messaging that and sort of working on these coordinated responses. Yeah, very similar to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, right? Um, let's talk about the effect the U.S. ban of Russian oil imports has been in the United States so far, particularly when it comes to gas prices. Has there been any change or have we seen an effect thereof? Oh, yeah, they are ticking up by the day. Uh, Here in Washington, Washington, D.C., they're on the approach to about $5 a gallon, which is an all-time record high. Uh, And really, I think what you're seeing is the White House try to spin this as what they're calling the Putin price hike. Uh, You know, from the outset of this, President Biden warned that the American people would end up paying some sort of cost for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. No way around it when Russia is the you know, third largest oil-producing nation on the planet. The U.S. doesn't import much oil from Russia, but essentially they're saying they're not importing any right now. Following the lead of Canada, the EU is trying to wean itself off of Russian oil. And now they're trying to convince OPEC nations to crank out more production to try and help lower prices. But they're going to rise, and of course that's piled on top of inflation, which is nearing in on 8% in the United States. Uh, You're not imagining things if you're thinking things are getting more expensive. Wow. Jackson, is this helping or hindering Biden's approval rating? You know, tough to say right now. I think generally speaking, he's getting uh, good marks for his handling of the Ukraine crisis. And specifically, uh, Republicans are united with Biden in pushing back on Russia. You might have suspected that some of the fringier elements would support Putin. A few of them are, but broadly speaking, Republicans and Republican voters uh, want Biden, in fact, to do more. They're pushing the transfer of fighter jets to Ukraine, for example. Uh, They're quite happy to stand up against Putin. And, of course, that is a very odd thing for a party who's... uh, previous leader uh, and still de facto leader, uh, Donald Trump, almost seemed to admire Vladimir Putin. 
let's talk about uh, um, the spending bill that's coming up. You, you mentioned that the president will make an announcement today, but also Senate approving a one and a half trillion dollar federal spending bill. Does it look like that'll go through? Yeah, it sounds like it. It is uh, obviously uh, watered down, but I think, uh, you know, there's $13 billion in aid for Ukraine in there. That's a big sell. Uh, it's uh, passed 68 uh, to 31 in the Senate, so that's a, a good sign. It may not have been everything Biden wanted with his original Build Back Better plan, but, uh, you know, $1.5 trillion is nothing, nothing to scoff at. For sure. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit, talk uh, some COVID stuff. And Hawaii, 50th and final state to announce it's dropping its indoor mask mandate. TSA says masks will stay on airplanes what's the latest on the uh, omicron and and, uh, and and that side of things yeah, the masks are going to stay on on airplanes, trains, and transit, I think, until at least the middle of April. But they're coming off pretty much everywhere else, and it is remarkable uh, how fast cases are dropping in this country. We're seeing an average of uh, less than 35,000 per day nationwide. That is down 50% in the last two weeks. I mean, that is uh, uh, back to where we were before the Omicron surge, for sure. Uh, still seeing around 1,200 deaths per day in this country from COVID, but even those numbers are starting to decline. So generally speaking, there's a sense that at least for now, we are over the worst of it, it's time to take a breather and hope that nothing else bad comes along. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas man who helped lead the mob against police during the January 6th attack and insurrection. Uh, interesting, found guilty in it. That leads to a lot of conversation about what might come next for the others charged, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, these, these uh, prosecutions, and there are hundreds of them, are really sort of unfolding at different paces. But uh, it suggests that, um, you know, that I think uh, you could see more swift prosecutions for some of the other ringleaders, especially those, uh, you know, facing these charges of um, uh, inciting an insurrection. Uh, there's people facing charges of, uh, uh, um, oh, the word is escaping me at this moment, but you know what I'm talking about. I feel about. your pain. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday, yeah. Uh, working to coordinate the siege, essentially, here, sedition. There we go. Oh, sedition gotcha. is the word of the day on a Friday. <laughs> uh, and there are conspiracy and sedition charges facing some of the supposed ringleaders here. And I think it gives you a sense that uh, prosecutors and juries are, are not uh, unafraid to go after them. And maybe some of these people who are charged now may t- take plea deals instead of uh, taking their chance going to court, right, when they see that you may actually be found guilty. Exactly. And of course, there's still the question of Trump and his closest allies and what the sort of parallel investigations and the congressional investigations may find there as well. So lots to still unfold on that front. And last note, I wanted to talk to you about uh, earlier uh, alert came through about uh, the 2020 census in the United States and how there was a huge miscount. But that's been sort of corrected. What's the scoop on that? Yeah, it uh, sounds like um, this was part of broader problems, of course, of trying to carry out the census uh, during the midst of a pandemic. Uh, and essentially what had happened is that they found that uh, there were undercounts specifically of minority groups of Hispanic, Black, and uh, Indigenous Americans. Uh, and essentially the overall count was correct, but the, the skew of uh, the results was there, and after certain groups threatened to go to court, uh, the Census Bureau said that it has essentially been able to figure out what was wrong and try and correct this. Gotcha. Excellent. Thank you so much for the update. As always, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. It is Pharmacy Appreciation Month, and the, with all frontline workers, it's been a busy and sometimes difficult couple of years for pharmacists. Joining us is our favorite pharmacist and owner of the medicine shop in Southwest Killarney, Amin Kanji. Hi, Amin. Hey, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, I, I wanted to talk to you about this because I, I think probably most people don't truly realize the role pharmacists play in healthcare. do they? No, I don't think they do. Um, you know, I think with the expanded scope of uh, practice, uh, you know, pharmacists have been able to do a lot more for frontline patients. 
But I think with COVID, uh, you know, obviously we've taken on additional roles uh, with respect to, you know, COVID testing, COVID vaccinations, uh, PCR testing, rapid antigen testing, in addition to doing, you know, what pharmacists do every day, which is looking after our patients and all their medication needs as well. Do you think that this will change things moving forward? I mean, will it stay this way? Do you think more people will be coming to the pharmacy, for example, for, uh, you know, a vaccination, for example? I hope so. I mean, I think, you know, what's uh, what's really, really important is the fact that I think we've been able to uh, establish a relationship with, uh, you know, patients who perhaps were not aware of what pharmacists were able to do. Um, and not only do we, you know, ask about their COVID vaccination, but I think we look at opportunities to talk about other vaccinations. You know, have you had your pneumonia vaccine? Have you had your shingles vaccine? Are you up to date with your tetanus vaccine and diphtheria vaccine? Um you know, and I think as as travel becomes more uh, open and more available now, uh, a lot of our clients and patients are looking to travel, so they want to be protected against all travel um, related illnesses mm-hmm. as well too. So we're getting quite busy with, you know, looking at getting your hepatitis shots, getting your tetanus shots for travel. You know, all those. Uh, travel-related illnesses that I think are becoming more more and more at the forefront. What do you think has been the toughest part of the past two years for you and your fellow pharmacists across the city? How has your team managed, you know, the uptick in robberies, for example, and the increased pressure from all things COVID? Well, I think the robberies obviously put extra pressure on us. You know, we're trying the hardest as we can to, uh, you know, serve our patients and our clients. And, uh, you know, I think the added stress of, you know, making sure that, you know, <laughs> We have a safe environment for not only our patients and our clients, but also our staff. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of robberies uh, in Calgary and Edmonton and surrounding areas. And I think that puts additional stress. You know, uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, pharmacy assistants, uh, you know, have had to take time off, uh, obviously because of stress, uh, because of, uh, you know, injury to their own uh, health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's added more stress uh, as well, which I don't think is necessary at this time when we're, you know, seeing unprecedented stress in, in, in workload um, as well as in the pressures in, in, you know, in what we have to do on a day-to-day basis. So it's been tough. It's been very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, and I think I think we've learned that, you know, perhaps, you know, a pharmacist doesn't replace a doctor, obviously, but if you have questions or concerns, the pharmacy is a wonderful place to go and get some answers from someone who is an expert. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's not an appointment-based system. You know, you can drop into a pharmacy. Uh, you can call your pharmacist. Uh, you know, you don't need an appointment. Um, and that's a unique, you know, feature about pharmacy services is it's always been uh, the most accessible uh, way to access health information, health care. Um, you know, during the pandemic when most family doctors, walk-in clinics were not available, were not open, um, you know, pharmacies and pharmacists, uh, you know, showed up to work every day, day in and day out. Uh, you know, none of us closed our doors. None of us were not available for our patients. In fact, we were available for, you know, uh, patients, not only our patients, but patients who perhaps were not, um, you know, regular patients of ours because we were the most accessible healthcare professional available to answer questions. Yeah. Well, we're grateful for all that you do and your fellow pharmacists. And you reminded me I need to come and see you for my second shingle shot. Ugh, not looking forward <laughs> to that. Thank you, Amin, and uh, appreciate you. all that you do. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Inkanji, pharmacist and owner of The Medicine Shop in Southwest Killarney. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.